0: Welcome back to The Mammy Show. This is your host, Rohit. Today, we have Sonia, two-time tech founder and tech strategist. Thank you, Sonia, for getting into the show.
1: Hi, nice to have me here.
0: Awesome. So, would you just like to give a quick intro about yourself, you know, like how you got started with your tech co-foundership and, you know, like the entrepreneurship as a whole in tech?
1: Yeah, so I've been in tech for 17 years, and I actually got into it by starting I started working at a software development company in the accounting and operations side of things. And then um, slowly just started learning about the industry. And that led me to an opportunity to build two uh, tech startups later on. But really, my journey started around being uh, in the space, working in the whole software development um, products. And then I learned uh, from there and, you know, a couple of years later, here I am. How do you think like
0: how tech companies actually work? you know, like if someone would like to get started with a tech company or you know like if someone has the urge to start a tech company, so how should they get started with?
1: I think that someone who has an idea that requires tech software, anything like that, how they should start is really planning it out and thinking about whether this is going to be a strip bootstrap company or are they going to uh, try and uh, bring on investors? Uh, so that they can pitch the idea to. that's I think that's the first step. I always encourage startups to uh, go the bootstrap route, meaning uh, build small, start there, get a couple of um, friends, family to help you, and then slowly pivot till you get it to a point where investors can come in and they can say, okay, I can invest in this comfortably because you have something already that you've proven in the market. So I say, sort of you know try to figure out which route you want to go once you know the route that you're going to go plan it out properly by documenting a lot Hmm. of startups completely overlook the document phase of it and they start building and they start building with no documentation and they'll either build in-house or they'll they'll get an offshore team Uh, to build. And then as the company grows, because they have no documentation for the infrastructure, for the architecture, things become harder as they continue. And then it's harder to pivot because they didn't document, they didn't plan it out. And when I mean document, I really mean like they didn't put together a really good blueprint at the start. So it's like when you build a house, right? First, you have to build the blueprint, you have your basement, And then you have your first floor later on in a couple years you might decide to add a second floor to that house and if you have the blueprint you can see how the blueprint can support your your second floor it's the same thing with any tech any software right if you have a blueprint you have a a good standing uh ground of where you can start and then you can continue building from there so in a year i mean software and tech companies are always building more You start with a very small product and you see the market fit and the market need, and then you go into it and you're like, oh, well, you know, I think my product would do really well if I could build this feature and that feature. And then you build a product roadmap and that product roadmap has, you know, hundreds of items that you want to build. Well, does your blueprint support that and if it doesn't, what do you need to do to it in order to support it? Or are you going to keep building? and is it all going to collapse on each other, on top of each other one day? right? So I sort of use the same concept as building a house. That's cool. And I think
0: building a tech company is not a boot. it's not a game of having entirely bootstrapped, I think, and making it successful. I think at some point of time there are investors we must be needing or looking for, you know because tech companies cost a bunch of money as comparison to the yeah. service business or sort of service industry.
1: You're right. But if you bootstrap for a year, once you're ready to bring on an investor, you're going to get a lot more money invested because they, they, an investor will see, okay, they built this themselves.
0: Yep.
1: They, they took it to market. They learned from the market. They pivoted based on what they've learned. And now they have a real solid product that I can invest into and get my return on investment. I'm not investing into an idea. I'm investing into something that physically exists. That's
0: where the VCs come coming. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, for a VC to invest in an idea, they're really investing on the founder and their ability to execute on that idea. But I think that if you go in already with something built and saying, you know, I've done my market research, I've proven the market, I know who my competitors are, what they're doing, and this is what we're doing. And we're leading in the market because we took all the steps to learn that and we might even have some revenue coming in. I mean, any investor that loves when a, a startup already has rev- is already generating revenue. That's that's the sweet spot because they know the chances are this company's going to do well. You know, only 20% of startups really take off and continue and do well. The others, they all fail mostly. Mm-hmm. So
0: Tell me, like, is tech something which is evergreen, you know, like, or is it something which is seasonal, you can say, or is it evergreen or starting anywhere possible? Or if anyone is looking to start a tech company, has to have the tech skills. Maybe a coder, maybe an engineer, or, not, or what, what do, they, what do you think?
1: So to start a tech company, you do not have to be a developer. Um, all you need to do is have an idea, have some business sense, and then get a tech company to build it for you. So I'm the managing director at a company called Converge and that's one of the services that we provide. We tell tech startups, hey, don't go off and spend all your money hiring your own developers or doing this yourself. Work with a company that specifically works with startups. Your costs are low. Is We're gonna build something that is, you know, professional that's going to work for you and then you don't have to worry about all the overhead of hiring a team yourself now as the founder if you don't know anything about tech or how to build a tech startup there are some basic things that you can do to learn a little bit like um you know learning about you know how to do some project management so you can manage the team that is going to be building it for you making sure that you have timelines in place, um, making sure that the technology being selected for your project is the right one for you. And that really just consists of, you know, maybe talking to somebody with experience. Um, you know, if you're if you're looking to build something that's very high, secure, if you're building something for like oil, gas, mining industries, you want something with a high security. So you want to select the language that's going to support that. So you will probably wouldn't want like open source per se. But mm-hmm. if you're going to build something you know, like just an app, then that's not rocket science, right? You could just get a company to build you a small little app, somewhere to start, you know, like an MVP, a minimal viable product. And then and then once you have your minimal viable product that someone else has built for you, when you go through that process, you learn a lot. But as a founder, you have to be willing to, to learn that's the space that you're in. So your your app or your product could be, you know, selling to retail stores and you don't know anything about tech, you know about retail stores. So you have to learn a little bit about tech because your tech is servicing. the the retail stores. But it's also vice versa, right? Maybe you have an idea for retail stores and you don't know anything about that space. Well, as a founder, you have to take the time to understand that space and speak that language because those are going to be your potential clients that you're going to be talking to. So you want to be able to have conversations with them that they understand. So I call it like calling, uh, speaking the same lingual, right? You are speaking the language that they understand. And it's sort of the same thing with tech. You have to be able to talk to your tech team in a way that they'll understand. And then um, it's a communication and learning. I think it's, it's, you know, I didn't know anything about tech when I got into it, but you have to be willing to learn. You have to be willing to accept when you've made mistakes and you have to be willing to, at some point, if things are not going the way they are, say, stop. I need to take a step back and I need to figure out where I'm at, what I need to learn. So that I can continue making this successful.
0: And I think building a product like an MVP is not that tough, to be honest. It's pretty easy to go. Next, you can have our.
1: Yeah. It depends on what, what you're building, right? If you're just building an app, that's, that's usually barely, I'm not going to say it's easy because developing is hard. It's, it, it, it's a skill. Um, but if you're building like a web-based application, that's going to have an impact on your business or any business, like a CRM system, um, or a legacy system, like those, those are big systems that have take years and years and years to build out. So
0: You've been an entrepreneur yourself. So tell me like how it feels being as a woman entrepreneur and how was your journey and how everything looks like in your eye you know
1: yeah I mean tech in general is a very male dominated space I've been in it for 17 years so I don't feel intimidated anymore in the beginning I did it was very much boys club and I was sort of just you know trying to get in and and do as much as I can I think that like my career really took off when the leadership that I was working with sort of left and it wasn't so male dominated anymore and the company started becoming a little bit more diverse and having a lot more women and that's when I had the opportunity to sort of step up and say I want to do this I want to do that and so I started I started out by just learning every single role so I learned how to do project management I, I learned how to do business analysis I never learned how to code I still don't but I learned how to do like quality assurance so testing the applications when they were done and that gave me a, a different view so I started learning as many roles as I could that were working on projects so that when I went into a leadership position or when I went into leading a startup I was was able to communicate with every department in again, in a language that they understood because I had taken the time to do that job to run that role. And I knew exactly what they were doing.
0: And until I haven't built any tech company so far. Yeah, I have to. I mean, like tech, tech space has money. Service <laughs> businesses don't, don't have enough money. I saw that, you know, tech business can be a lot scalable as comparison to the other service businesses. I mean, tell me like how it feels uh, building a tech startup. Is it similar to service industry or is as comparison to the customer base or maybe is it easy to deal with investors is it easy to deal with market new geographic you know gtm go to market anything like that
1: I'm just going to say like, no, it's not easy at oh, all. I, mean, I think I think it may look easy, but it's not. They're so it's just like any other industry, any other space, just because tech is really taking over the world. And it's something that exists in our everyday life. doesn't mean that it's easy to to do. I know that like technology seems to be coming out faster and faster and faster. But we have to keep in mind that like when something comes out, they've already been working on it for a year or two or three, mm-hmm. right? They've worked on it previously in order to make sure that they're continuously um, letting having things been released. So, no, I don't think it's an easy space. I actually think it's quite difficult because you're not just like in a service space. You're just providing a service or you're a consultant in this case you're providing a product that's going to service someone Mm -hmm. and it's going to have an impact on their business so you know if your product isn't working properly it's going to affect that person's business and that happens a lot in 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 tech where that's why there's like support uh teams and things like that and clients can uh you know call in and say oh i found a bug your system isn't working or something's wrong like every single little thing has Mm -hmm. an impact on the client that it's servicing so i don't think it's a space that's easy to get into. I think it's easy to have a tech idea, but it's really about the execution. Everybody has ideas. Everyone thinks they have the next million dollar app idea but it's not about building the app it's about the execution and it's also about your long term plan right building something today and launching it into the app store doesn't mean you're going to be successful and you're going to get like you know a million downloads somebody might think that it's a really crappy product it's really about when you have the idea plan it out and you plan it out based on this is my first six months and then if it doesn't work what do I do my one of my startups when we first launched it it didn't do well nobody wanted it. We built um, a system called Menusano, which is a nutrition analysis software for the food service industry that eliminates um, food manufacturers, restaurants from having to send food to a lab to get analyzed. And we provided a tool that allows them to do that with software and we thought it was a genius idea we're like yay we're gonna like we're gonna be disruptors we're gonna change an industry and then when we launched nobody wanted it we went and knocked on restaurant doors and we're like hey we're providing you a tool that you know you can now show your clients what they're eating and what's the nutrition and they're like no we don't want that we're like well why not this is so great and they're like we don't want people to know what they're eating if they know they're never going to come back here and eat <laughs>
0: that's and true. We're
1: like and so We kept knocking on doors for a little while, and then I had to make the decision to say, okay, we need to stop, we need to stop, we need to stop putting money into this, and we need to just sort of regroup and figure out how we're gonna do this. Now, we could have done what a lot of startups do, which is keep putting money into it, keep trying to sell it and keep going, going, going until you run dry. But, you know, a a good founder has to come to a place where they're like, this isn't working, I need to stop and Mm -hmm. figure out what are my next best steps. And for us, fortunately, it was the government route. We worked on a government pilot project here in Canada that ended up putting legislation in place that now allowed our tool to be useful in the industry. And now this tool is being sold globally uh, to Food manufacturers, all of food space, uh, is using it. It's quite popular, and at the end of the day, it's saving companies a lot of money because sending food to a lab to get an- analyzed, it's it's really expensive. And we don't completely replace a lab. We we do part of it, but it is a tool that's it's inexpensive. It's useful, but it took us a good five six years of building, yeah. analyzing, going back to the drawing board, realizing it was a complete mistake and nobody wanted it, going back to the drawing board, redeveloping it, trying to fit, find a new market and ways to pivot into those markets. And then, you know, a good five, six years later, we started doing well. During uh, COVID, we started doing really well uh, because we brought on the manufacturing uh, industry. And now we're pretty successful with it. But it was a lot of pain and suffering. It's a journey, I think. It was pain and suffering. <laughs>
0: awesome. So any best advice do you have for anyone who was looking to start their, you know, uh, maybe a tech company, maybe getting into the tech space? So anything you would like to say, anything?
1: Yeah, or any, it doesn't have to be the tech space. I think any startup, I think if, anyone has the, you know, wants to go down the road of being an entrepreneur in general, just an entrepreneur. I think it's just about um, being brave to say, I'm going to go down this road and I'm going to stick it out and be willing to do the work uh, and realize that it might not go the way you planned. But if you stay tenacious and you stay, uh, you know, follow your dreams and your goals and plan things out and get people to help you, I think, Anyone can be successful, but you have to understand that it's not going to happen overnight. You're not going to build a app and it's going to sell for like $5 million, you know.
0: Even the Facebook was not the only one mark built for the first time. Yeah, but Facebook
1: took years, right? They, they started in universities before they really took off, right? They were a tool that was used in most universities for the students, but, you know, they only started launching to the general public years later.
0: And even though it's pretty... Easy to build these kind of things early, not at this point of time, since there is so many people starting different bunch of startups every day, coming up with new ideas, coming up with new technology, coming up with a bunch of money as well, coming up with a bunch of competition, you know. So there is a com- competitive cutthroat competition in the market nowadays as compared oh, yeah. to 20 years back. You know, when Facebook got started,
1: yeah. yeah. Even for investors, right? Like there's so many startups out there that they are, especially now with the economy, they're being <laughs> a lot more careful on what they're investing in and in the ideas that are coming up.
0: Yeah. Oh, uh, have you heard of the WeWork story? It's gone down. V-work.
1: We work, yeah. Yeah.
0: I mean, yeah. It's, the company got busted now. So,
1: yeah. I mean, yeah. What, what do you say to that, right? Like all of a sudden the economy changes and you have nothing or you're going you you know you were on top of the world and all of a sudden but then again they had to i don't know they they could have found a, a way to pivot they could have found a way to take advantage of what happened with covid to maybe introduce new ways for people not to go back to I the think, office but your spaces instead i think
0: founder made his own own fate and he's gone I'll let the things be because maybe the investors has major of the majority so let them do what they can do
1: yeah uh, i don't know it's always hard to tell in, in in but it's a shame it's a shame because it was a it was a good business yeah. Yeah. it's a big
0: it was a big company like it is a yeah. big yeah. they
1: do have competitors though and they have had
0: everything good too like great branding great business model great great asset yeah. class inside their you know systems still have a new mail awesome sanya so thanks for being on the show yeah no problem good to have you on this was the last episode of the season one. We were glad to Yay! have you. On. Now we gonna, <laughs> now we may gonna get the next season get started maybe next year or maybe in 2025 early. You know, so that's how we guys are done with the season one in 2023. So yeah, thank you so much for being awesome. on the
1: show. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it.